This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. If you sign up for our mailing list, you will get a copy of my full 2021 Rookie Dynasty rankings that won't be up on the website. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. With that, this is our annual Rookie Draft Reaction Show, and we have a lot to talk about, including two big trades that happened. But as one of those trades happened with one of our regular guests, let's welcome in King in the North, a.k.a. Ben, to the show. Ben, how are we feeling now that the rosters are set for the upcoming season? Feeling pretty good. Really? That That's it? That's all <laughs> that's you're giving it. me? That's all I'm giving you. <laughs> I guess. Simple taste. Simple taste. All right, gentlemen. So, for our particular league, I think there are two trades that really exemplify what we've been trying to drive home as the point of this show, that you have to think in a completely different mode when it comes to dynasty football. So the first one up that was really made was the second overall pick being traded for the ninth over, or excuse me, the 10th overall pick and next year's first. I mean, there were some other things sprinkled in, but essentially that that's what it came down to is basically two firsts for the, the second overall pick and the rights to essentially take anybody after you would assume Najee Harris. The other trade that happened was Alvin Kamara basically for the number one overall pick in this year's draft, eventually ended up as Najee Harris. Ben, you and I talked about your trade, which ended up being the second one, and all of the decision-making that went into it. So I guess explain your general thinking to the audience, and then we can kind of roll with it after that. All right. My running backs were Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Daryl Henderson and Zach Moss and uh, Mike Davis too. So I felt that I was in a position where I was deep enough to take a risk on Najee Harris being a bust, but hopefully get younger and get four more years out of a running back that I wouldn't have got out of Camara down the road. And New boot goofing, he was so thin where if Najee Harris was Trent Richardson, it would it would be more devastating to his team. So he kind of took the the bird in hand instead of the bird unknown. So I think it worked for both of us. Might bite me in the butt this year, but but down the road it's what I want. So we made a lot of comments last year with Elvin Kamara when Taysom Hill was the quarterback filling in for Drew Brees. I think that was, what, uh, the teens uh, weeks last year, somewhere like 12, 13, 14, something something that way around that. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But essentially that his numbers started to to decline, his amount of catches out of the backfield, basically the dump-off passes started to decline, part of that having to do with Drew Brees not being there to essentially be a pocket passer and dump the ball off. Now, I think there is a big difference in how I view Elvin Kamara with Jameis Winston as the quarterback versus Taysom Hill as the quarterback going into this year. Jameis Winston, much more of a pocket passer, not really a runner per se. I think he has more viability as a pass catcher in that offense with Jameis Winston than he does with Taysom Hill. After last night, I would say that Winston is probably the likely starter. That doesn't mean that there aren't going to be packages built for Taysom Hill yet, the same way that Drew Brees was having. But I think the biggest thing, and you and I talked about it on Friday, is 
most people would see trading Kamara for the number one overall pick, even though it's a guy that a lot of the fantasy community is hyping over, is that he's 26. And with running backs, usually that second contract is about all you get to before your career is cut short. We've also seen that a lot of running backs now, instead of hitting that 30 wall, are hitting about that 26 wall where they've reached their peak about 25, 26, and they start to drop off. You can look at a few of the guys, uh, with the exception of Derrick Henry, last year that dropped off after their age 26 season. I don't know. I would say that it pretty much washes out in the end because you may get two premium or peak years yet out of Camara, whereas Harris probably has about five or six. Agreed. I think a big part of this trade that we're not talking about, especially for Ben, and a main reason why I think he made it is uh, getting Kirk Cousins in the deal as well with the uncertainty of the quarterback position that you had. I think that was kind of just icing on the cake. But, yeah, I completely understand your thought process and getting younger at the running back position. Well, unfortunately, and I know you don't know this, but Kirk Cousins was kind of a throw-in on that deal just to make the math work. Yeah, I know, but I I feel like it's still a pretty good deal. Kirk Cousins is um, a quarterback with two pretty viable options, and he airs the ball out enough like he's not somebody – where you got to worry about, like, if you have to start him for a couple of games with the uncertainty of Deshaun Watson, I would feel pretty comfortable about it. To be fair, he has an early season schedule that is very favorable until you can wait for maybe one of the rookies. And Ben, you did end up taking uh, Justin Fields, so it's possible that you could be salvaged at the quarterback position by the draft. We'll get to the rest of your draft here in a minute. But Kirk Cousins quietly has been a top 15 starter for at least the last four or five years. So I I do see that as a net plus, even though he's not a sexy name. Personally, he kind of falls into that Derek Carr camp for me, but it's still a guy that would be viable in a pinch, especially if the opponent is right. All right. The other trade, as I mentioned before, was for the second overall pick. That unfortunately went to... Uh, Dana, and he took Travis Etienne, who, as of this morning, is now out for the season. And let's not focus on the injury so much. We'll get to that in a second when we kind of go over some more of the injuries here. But let's peek further into the thinking. Again, somebody jumping up from the 10th overall pick to the second overall pick and basically trading another first that you would assume is going to be at least in the five to 10 range for the opportunity to go get a player they wanted. What do you guys think of that particular trade? You gotta, you gotta like the thought process in going for it. You know, he's a defending champ, but even a lot of us, I think we'd all agree that we don't think he has the best roster that was, that we have in the league. I think he got hot. He made a lot of the right decisions, pushed all the right buttons as a manager um, and rode his way and won it fair and square. You can't take that away from him, but I think we'd all agree that he doesn't have the best roster in the world. Um, Getting a young running back is never a bad decision, especially when you have a team that's consistently competing at the top because when they're young, we know that's when they're at their best. So I like the move. It's just unfortunate. It's unfortunate that he's going to be gone for the year. Yeah, and unfortunately we've lost now two fairly high upside running backs going into this year, the Cam Akers being the other one. So guys that you would have projected highly, I think ETN at some point would have been the dominant back in that backfield. And we'll address more of the James Robinson situation on our Thursday show. That being said, um, let's get to the rest of the injury outlook. So I'll just give some quick updates. If you guys want to chime in with any comments, just let me know. First up, Michael Thomas, it's looking closer that he's at least going to be out for about the first four to six weeks. And we don't know that it may, may or may not be longer. Saquon, he has returned to practice, but it's still possible that he misses a game or two coming in. One of the worrying ones to me was Stefan Diggs. Uh, apparently, he's had a knee injury that's now been lingering. He's missed practice for two straight weeks. And the comments out of Sean McDermott are not promising. So 
this is worrying for a guy that you'd have to probably invest a first round pick or maybe even a second round pick in to have on your roster. Just take a little bit of caution. We still think he's going to be able to play week one, but it's just something to keep in mind. Joe Burrow is also kind of around practice. I don't think he's fully practicing to this point, but he is a guy that I feel much better with him starting as opposed to any of his backups going into week one, especially if you're counting on a Tyler Boyd, a T. Higgins, even a Jamar Chase at where they're currently going in their ADP. Finally, we have DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift did return to practice this week, although Dan Campbell, the coach of the Lions, has said that uh, unfortunately he's not sure whether Swift will be able to go week one or how much they'll be able to use him, even if he does go. He's had some lingering injuries over the course of the summer. So new injury updates uh, from this last weekend of the preseason. CEH unfortunately had an ankle injury. It seems like he returned to practice today, but just monitoring that situation, it doesn't seem to be a long-term thing. But when you have an ankle injury or something like that, it's something that needs to be watched over time. I think the Chiefs have earned themselves some uh, space, especially because I can't imagine he'd be playing in the third preseason game injury or not. But that gives them at least two weeks before they're going to face uh, the Cleveland Browns in week one. Travis Etienne, I already mentioned, he's got a midfoot sprain that apparently needs surgery, a Liz Frank surgery. He's going to be out for at least this year, and that can unfortunately linger into next season. So a guy that was promising ultimately cut short. My overall second round pick, which is um, turning my stomach this week, Adam Troutman, the tight end from the New Orleans Saints, left with an apparent foot injury, I think it was, leg, foot, ankle, something of that nature, and was getting an MRI today. I have yet to see what the final results of that were. And then finally, Darrell Henderson Jr., who had been nursing an ankle injury all offseason that the Rams have been slow playing because Cam Akers is already out. He has been given an additional, I think he sprained his thumb, uh, I don't think it's broken, but at last I recall, it was a sprained thumb. He expects to be able to go week one, but this is just another injury on the list for a guy that really had a tough time handling that much of a workload last year already, and he's expected to be the three down back in what we assume is going to be a productive offense. Gives me a little bit of pause there for the Rams, especially a team that loves to run the football. Uh, any comments to add, gentlemen? Now it just it sucks that it's not Madden and you can turn the injuries off, but here we are again. Yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, we kind of went through this with the running back class last year. I don't know if I see it with running back so much, although that is a beat up position. I I do think that the wide receivers were fortunately had a lot of health last year. It could turn the tables this year. And usually we have a pivot where it's a either a high wide receiver year or it's a high running back year. I actually see this as being a highly dominant running back year going forward. So the thing we're here for for the evening, the rookie draft grades, we're going to go through just all the teams on our list and kind of give a slight overview I guess what we're doing for just a structure, just to keep the audience involved, is best pick, worst pick, and sneaky pick. We'll kind of go in a round robin fashion, but since there's three of us, that would be nine. So the 10th one, as was nominated, is to make a point. We'll start off with that point. You have to show up to your draft. I'm sorry, Derek. I know you listened to the show, and I know it really wasn't your fault. You were trying to help out your friends and do something that you've been doing all summer. You had an emergency volleyball game, but you drafted two defenses and two kickers and a, well, sneaky tight end guy, <laughs> potentially at 28. But still, to do that with four of your seven picks, boy, that's got to suck. Yeah, my mom said if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I'll just give my nominees. I went through all the teams, but we'll let everybody kind of take a turn here eventually. But best pick for me was Tyler Higby at 28. I think, what is it? The stats on him without Gerald Everett in the lineup are just spectacular. I think he's one of only four tight ends in the history of football 
to ever have four consecutive 100-yard receiving games at the tight end position, and he's the only one that isn't a future Hall of Famer or already a Hall of Famer. You know, he's got some potential there. It's always been consistency within that offense. I don't know what they're going to do with Matt Stafford, but he's a guy that has a lot of upside for a position that Derek had to start Eric Ebron at most of last year. Worst pick, the Los Angeles Rams defensive special teams at pick number eight. I had them on my team. They were the number one defense in fantasy. The odds of them finishing number one in fantasy again are slim to none. Uh, I know that they have a very good defense, but their defensive coordinator is now with the Chargers. They have a completely new scheme. Yes, they have Aaron Donald, but realistically, it's just not happening. The top overall scoring fantasy defense has not finished above ninth the following year for six straight years. So that, that unfortunately is going to be his worst pick. And then the sneaky pick for me was number 38, Tony Pollard, just because especially with some of those handcuffs, I would put him in the top five of uh, handcuff potential because if Ezekiel Elliott goes down and we know he's very durable and that's not likely, but Tony Pollard has enough talent in a productive offense. That's going to be throwing a lot uh, to be valuable. And I do think that he has some potential flex value, even if Ezekiel Elliott doesn't go down. So for me out of a draft that included two defenses and two kickers, that's my best attempt. I'm going to go with what you said. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pass and do it individually on the teams. Okay. And since this is our grades, uh, all of my letter grades for each team will be up on the link in the show notes for the website. Uh, I will not say them on the air. You will have to go to the website to see them. All right. So that takes us to dumpster fire. And I put myself first in the rotation for this one. This is the team that traded out of the second overall pick, a team that's lacking a lot of talent. And while he did have a couple of good picks for what he got, boy, to trade out of the second pick uh, when you have a very low-talented team and you're just not building at all, I, I, I don't get it, just me personally. Best pick for me was 22 Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he could end up being the wide receiver one on that team that's not named TJ Hawkinson. And he's a very talented guy, but he's primarily going to be playing out of the slot with Jared Goff, who loves slot receivers. Worst pick for me was James Conner at 12 overall. I just thought it was too early. This guy is probably the starter over Chase Edmonds in that backfield. He's talented. He can catch it. He can stay healthy. And I think he can be productive in an offense that gave a ton of goal line carries to halfbacks last year. But at 12, when there were more high upside guys on the board, it's not where I would have gone. Sneaky pick for me was Anthony Ferkser at number 20. I think he is going to fill in that role for the Titans uh, as a secondary pass catcher behind Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. I don't know if he's going to get a ton of targets, but given that Corey Davis... Adam Humphreys, Johnu Smith are all gone from last year's team that they do have to spread out the target somewhere. And he could be a beneficiary, particularly in the red zone where uh, Julio Jones has never been a particularly high producer. Any thoughts from either of you? No, I I mean, I kind of question, you know, trading out of early draft picks that there's a reason why you have it. You know what I mean? And I sometimes feel that the best option for me, actually, I all the time feel like the best option is to draft and and to see where it goes, not to try to go and get aging talent and to see how that works for you. But I mean, everybody has a different strategy. You know, I think the three of us, we would much rather start again from the ground up, not only because we think it's the right way, but because we think it's more fun that way, too. Um, so that would have been my my thought process. But Hopefully uh, it works out for him, and at least he can have a little fun win a couple of games this year. All right, let's move to King in the North, and E, I'll let you take that one. Well, from a man that had three picks in the first two rounds and did pretty damn well with it, it's kind of hard to pick um, the best pick. Um, I think for others, the obvious should be Najee Harris, but for me, I think it's going to be Justin Fields because of the uncertainty of your quarterback position that you have moving forward. 
and I think Justin Fields is going to be a stud, and that pains me to say every time um, as a Packer fan. I think that your sleepy pick or your sleeper pick is going to be Devontae Smith. Not because I don't think people think he's going to be really, really good. I think it's because of how quickly he's going to be really, really good this year. Watching him release from the line of scrimmage kind of brings a tear to my eye. Um, His route running in general, just his ability to get open when a lot of other guys wouldn't. I think he's going to have a lot of receptions this year. And in a PPR league, that's super important. The one that I, what are we calling this one? Uh, Your worst pick. Your worst pick for me um, would be Kenneth Gainwell, mostly because I have Miles Sanders and I feel like you're trying to tell me something. Um, (laughs) But just because there's other people maybe as well that were left on the board. Um, I did like your pick of Marlon Mack as well. But for me, Kenneth Gainwell would have been uh, the worst pick that I had for you. I went with the obvious for Najee at one. I think you could have made a case for any of the three of them in the it's not that he had three picks in the top two rounds. It's that he had three picks in the top 15 and two in the first five. So you were bound to get a lot of the talent that you really wanted. But to come away with a quarterback, wide receiver, and running back of that caliber, I think anyone would say that you had a fairly high-ranking draft. And that's eventually reflected in my overall grade. I think worst pick is the same one that Ben would identify about himself. And that's picking Washington at 35. I like the pick from a defensive standpoint, but you know my position on defenses. I also even understand why he did it. It just may have been a little bit too early for me. Sleeper was Ken Gain- or Kenny Gainwell. Just simply put, I didn't know what to put as a sleeper in here. I thought the draft kind of tailed off for me after those first three picks. The real strength of this is those first three picks, though, so I can't really comment too far past that. I got to ask you, though, how happy were you after the draft, though, knowing that you had all these guys in your back pocket? You had to have been sitting there, right? Pretty damn happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was happy. I was I was pretty surprised that the quarterback run happened in the second. I probably would have taken Trey Lance over Fields. Not that I really like him better. I just like the opportunity in San Francisco better, but that's really splitting hairs and I would have taken both of those over Trevor Lawrence and the rest of the gang. I got the wide receiver who I thought was the best wide receiver in the draft. He won the Heisman Trophy. You watch his film and I think anyone after watching his film would be hard pressed to say why he isn't the best receiver in the draft. And then it kind of came out, he's only 160 pounds, and that became the highlight of the offseason, rather than he does absolutely everything right. Yeah, so I was pretty excited. I got who I thought was the top running back as well. But, yeah. Ben, I think you were up for New Boot Goofin then. All righty. New Boot Goofin, uh, he traded the first overall pick for Alvin Kamara, which may not be best for dynasty formats, but I was looking at him since he's in mine and Ethan's division, and I'm like, holy crap, like he could be anyone on any given week after being such a terrible team last year. So I thought, well, may I, I may have done us a disservice there, but... Um, I didn't know that it makes sense for him, but at the same time, I get it. I mean, he's he was the best running back in football last year. That makes his team an instant uh, playoff caliber team where Najee Harris is still in unknown. I thought his best pick was Trevor Lawrence, kind of along the same lines. Uh, super NFL ready. He's probably got the highest floor of any quarterback in the past few years at least since maybe Andrew Luck he can run the football which I think will add value they've added playmakers one of them just went down but they added playmakers in Jacksonville so I think he's he's got a good opportunity uh the worst pick I chose Rondale Moore at the top of the second um he's an electric playmaker he had a phenomenal freshman year at Ohio State, he got injured his sophomore year. He never really 
reproduce those freshman numbers. And last year, you only played in three games. Two of them were really unproductive. He went into a situation behind DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, and Andy Isabella, where I question, is he going to get one to four plays a game designed for him? And that's all he really is. Uh, he's 5'7". I think the most productive short fantasy wide receivers been Steve Smith at 5'9". Uh, I thought Terrence Marshall made more sense for him. His sneaky pick I thought was really good was Gerald Everett. Uh, he split time with Tyler Higby and they sort of self-cannibalized each other in, in L.A., but they both look like they had, were viable tight ends. Um, he's been in the league four years. He's improved his catches and total yards every single year in the year uh, in the league. He uh, improved his quarterback situation with um, Russell Wilson throwing him the ball now. Greg Olson and Jacob Hollister are out of Seattle, so he should have a a lot better chance to develop into a top five tight fantasy tight end if he wants to be yeah I would tend to agree on that he didn't end up being my sneaky pick for his draft roster but I do think Gerald Everett needs to be on more people's radars people forget that this is a run first team and they're going to run a lot of heavy tight end sets Russell Wilson loves to throw to his tight ends and has made them very relevant for years on years, and I've loved picking them up, so that is a good pick to me. I would mirror your best pick in Trevor Lawrence, just from the standpoint that it seemed before the draft that Nubut Goofin really wanted Trevor Lawrence at one, and he got to wait till the second round and pick up Elvin Kamara in order to do it. So to me, that's exactly what you want. If you're going to move back and you still get the guy you want, that's exactly the turnaround that you want. Rondale Moore, though, uh, I'll let Ethan take that one because his perspective is higher on Rondale Moore than probably either of ours. Yeah, for me, Rondale Moore, um, he was a guy that I really was intrigued by um, draft or pre-draft and um, kind of lost a little interest once he went to Arizona just because the wide receiver room is so packed. He's somebody that you would think would be highly successful in today's game, but with a lot of the stuff that Ben said, can he produce at the higher level when everybody's a little bit faster, even the defensive linemen are faster from sideline to sideline. I feel like at best he can be like a Percy Harvin type, but even you think about it, Percy Harvin at his best, was he really somebody that was like super fantasy relevant that you could depend on week after week? I like him a lot as a prospect, and I think you can do a lot of fun things with him. But the more and more I see, um, especially in the preseason, you know, they're really trying to get him the ball, but he's not really breaking a whole lot off. So I've kind of died down a little bit on him, but I really do think he's an intriguing player. But I just, I just don't know if the consistency will be there. All right, so that takes us to Dynasty Fantasy Team, or excuse me, Dynasty Football Team, that uh, I decided to take on myself. Best pick for me was Javante Williams at six. I know it's a guy that we talked a lot about in the offseason and in our post-draft mock draft as well. I think most of us are very high on him. Also think he's probably going to take over for Melvin Gordon at some point this season. It just depends on when, not if. Uh, worst pick for me was Rashad Bateman at number 16. Just given the injury, the Ravens system, I like him if he were in a different place and if he didn't have the injuries. To me, it was probably just a little too soon when there are a couple of other receivers I would have liked a little bit more. But go get your guys if that's who you want. Uh, sneaky pick for me is Chuba Hubbard at 36. And it's simply because I think he has the capability of being the closest replica of Christian McCaffrey we've had. I don't think he's quite as talented as Christian McCaffrey, but if Christian McCaffrey were to ever go down, this is a guy that could capably fill in. I do also like for the Panthers that they got somebody that is this capable to take a little bit of the workload off of McCaffrey 
notably two years ago, he had what? I think like a 95% uh, carry rate for that team. And they just simply needed to take a little bit of the load off of him. If they're going to go anywhere this year, because he is their most explosive player in a team that actually has several of them. So those are my three. Any thoughts from either of you? I guess the question for me is who would you have taken before, uh, before Bateman? So yeah, I more that was left. Both of the Moors were left. Terrence Marshall. Yeah, I would have taken all three of those guys. I probably would have taken St. Brown ahead of him just because I like the fit and the opportunity. And he went a uh, full like five picks or four picks ahead of any of those guys. And there was kind of a mini run in there. Not that I, I disagree with the upside. I think from a, an overall wide receiver, he is a first round pick. I just don't know if I like the Raven system to be able to get him the football in that kind of way. Just because I guess I doubt their passing game ability. They're still a Lamar Jackson fantasy team. Right. And that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like, do you trust Lamar Jackson enough to be able to supplement a fantasy relevant, a high fantasy relevant wide receiver? Okay. So that takes us to Akron Pros, uh, your nemesis, Ethan. I'll let you take his draft. Yeah, yeah. Um, seeing him move up or make that trade, um, the two guys that I'm kind of looking out for the most with Ben and 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 Dana, that was it's a little shell shock, you know, seeing these guys coming. <laughs> but um, good for Dana. Uh, it's just bad luck uh, with his first pick and obviously his best pick with Travis Etienne trading up, going to get his guy. You got to like the initiative to go do that. Just sometimes life is not fair. And that for one is really not fair Uh, for me. His sleeper pick that I have is Chris Evans. And I am a Joe Mixon owner. And I know that this is a sleepy good pick because you can't trust Joe Mixon's body. You just can't. He's consistently injured, consistently always on the injury report. We all saw how relevant Gio Bernard was once Joe Mixon went down, and even sometimes when Joe Mixon was around. I think Chris Evans is a really good pickup for uh, Mr. Akron Pros. His worst pick, I would say, would be Josh Palmer, and that's really just you know, really being picky because that's in the fifth round. Because I liked his second round pick with Elijah Moore. Uh, he didn't have a fourth round pick. So this is just me being picky with Josh Palmer. But overall, I think he did pretty well for having the 10th over or the last pick in each round. Well, save for the trade up in the first round. Right. I really don't have anything to add. Most of my thoughts mirror yours. I like Chris Evans. I thought it might have been a, a round too early, maybe even two just because I don't know if he was on a lot of people's radars, but I think he has the biggest opportunity with Gio Bernard getting cut and going to Tampa Bay. I agree with you on Joe Mixon, and this guy is going to have an opportunity. I don't think he's a terrible back, but he was a sixth-round pick, so it's not like you couldn't have gotten him maybe a little bit later. But uh, any thoughts on his draft, Ben? Uh, You know I hate that Chris Evans pick. (laughs) Um. Yes, I do. I like the idea for all the reasons that um, that Ethan said, but I don't think Chris Evans is an NFL caliber back. He was possibly an average college back. Geo Bernard and um, James White went to the same high school. Geo was the featured back. Geo went to North Carolina, had a productive college career. James White had a productive college career they both have good nfl careers chris evans and his terrible yards per carry that's regressed since his freshman year in college i'm just i'm not buying it i don't know he might be a good pick this year if mixon gets hurt but uh the Bengals will definitely rectify that position i believe otherwise i also thought i mean he traded up he got his guy but I think Kyle Pitts made more sense for him, even though he had Travis Kelsey. I think Kyle Pitts was the best player in the draft, and it would kind of, he's only 20 years old, it would kind of give him a transition between Kelsey and the next great, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I made that case to him, too. He wanted to round out his running back room because he hasn't had a stud in a long time was his argument for it. I can't fault him for it, but I agree with you. Kyle Pitts was the best player in this draft in my mind. All right, so that moves us to Shad Dynasty. And, Ben, I'll let you have the crack at grading his draft. This was the hardest one with Ethan not having a first and second round pick in probably what looks like the thinnest graph since I've been around. His best pick, I thought, was Terrace Marshall. He should take over that slot position with Curtis Samuel gone. He got Marshall at the end of the third. I think Marshall could have won at the end of the first, and I really went to bat it and I at it. His worst pick... This was a lot of nitpicking on my part because I didn't think he made a bad pick. But um, I had to I had to fill this position, so I said Ryan Fitzpatrick, which was in the end of the sixth. Ethan has Kyler Murray, so it's outside of one week a year. He shouldn't have to start Ryan Fitzpatrick. Daniel Jones went after Fitzpatrick and I thought in a dynasty league maybe Jones makes more sense. Jones now has Galladay, Barkley back, Kadarius Tony. He maybe could have been used as trade bait where I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick really ever gets involved in a trade. But that's nitpicking. That is splitting hairs. I personally went with Dalton Schultz just because he dropped him almost immediately. Oh no. Well, my sneaky pick <laughs> round seven was Dalton Schultz. Let yeah. me tell you why. <laughs> uh, Dak Prescott got hurt last year. Dalton Schultz came in as the 11th tight end overall. The gap between him and the third tight end in the league was 1.7 points per game. So I thought not that far of a stretch with Dak back that he could push into the top five for tight ends, but he's gone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anybody's particularly high on him because they got their other tight end back this year that was injured in week one last year. And the fact that, yes, but you could say that about just about anybody from about tight end three through about tight end 15 last year. After Darren Waller and uh, Travis Kelsey, it was a complete wasteland. I think George Kittle's finished at like tight end eight, having only played like six games. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right on that. So uh, my sneaky pick on this one might have been Mike Williams. If on the off chance he finally fucking breaks out. We've all been expecting it for like five years, six years, whatever, but it just has never happened. He's probably got the best athletic quarterback with the best arm he's ever had. Let's see if he actually does something. Ethan, how did you feel about your draft? I felt I got what I needed for what I had. Um, I'm getting older at the wide receiver position. I'm very happy that Mr. Marshall fell into my lap. Everyone kind of knows my weakest position is the tight end. I feel like I kind of addressed that with Gasecki. I feel like him and Tua have a really nice, um, a really nice connection. And then, yeah, with Mike Williams and Donovan Peoples Jones, for example, those are two guys where I'm kind of riding the hype, hoping that it turns out. Uh, there's a lot of talk out of camp this year about Mike Williams and the role that he's going to play in the offense. And if OBJ can't stay healthy, I feel like Donovan Peoples-Jones can have a really big, impactful year. So that's kind of where you get to at the end of the draft, especially in our league. It's kind of just like, I'm going to take this guy, hopefully the hype pans out, and here we go. So I'm, I'm happy with what I got. Yeah, I can't fault you for not having a first or second round pick. It was a tough spot to be in, and you did get a few valuable players for the capital that you had to pick from. All right, so let's go to who I think might have had the best draft overall, just on me personally, uh, and that would be Rogers Rabbits. At pick number four, got Jamar Chase. I thought his best pick was actually Jalen Waddle at nine. Uh, I didn't have a worst pick for this team. Every one of them I actually thought was right on point. 
even his sixth round pick, which was his last one in the draft, was drafting Devontae Booker just to handcuff himself for a couple of weeks with Saquon Barkley. The rest of them were high upside guys. He got Trey Lance. He got Raheem Mostert to lock down an extra spot, at least for the first few weeks, until Raheem Mostert basically busts a wheel. And I can't make too much of an argument. Pat Fryermuth is a good upside tight end who has already caught touchdowns in back-to-back weeks in the preseason here. So, And Dwayne Eskridge was his fifth-round pick. Man, that's a high upside guy for the fifth round that I'm sorry got past me in the first four. So that was my sneaky pick at 44. Do either of you think as highly as I do of his draft? I didn't before. (laughs) (laughs) But now, I don't know. I kind of feel talked into it. He's been a sleeper, though. We've talked about his team. You know, I said last year that I thought that he could win your division. I say your division because the divisions are different now this year, but that's for neither here nor there. Um, what I'm saying is, um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with everything you had to say. If you did have to pick a worst pick, it would probably just be Devontae Booker just because he's not going to last the whole season. But other than that, yeah, he did outstanding. And realistically, if I if I were to make that his worst pick, that's not terrible given the situation that he's in. It would be a terrible pick for anybody that didn't have Saquon Barkley. But in this one instance where you have a guy who has some injury history and is clearly not ready to play right now and may not be by week one, it's not bad insurance in the sixth round and your last round pick. And I also do enjoy the fact that he didn't take a kicker or a defense, something that I did myself. All right, so then let's move to one of our uh, most loyal listeners overall, Ed Winners. Ethan, how do you think that Ed did in this draft? Well, I feel like he got the best player available, right? We can kind of all agree that Kyle Pitts is the best player available. Um, Tight end target going to be a monster in Atlanta. Him opposite Calvin Ridley is kind of incredible. So, yeah, getting Kyle Pitts is going to help anybody's team. So, um, sorry, I kind of got lost here. Um, his worst pick, I would say, would have to be um, JV on Hawkins, mostly because I just don't think that the Atlanta Hawkins or the Atlanta Falcons are going to score a lot of points. I just feel like they're going to be. Huh? He got cut today. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I thought that was Sorry. for sure where you were going been, with that one. No, man. I've been at work all day long. I've been at work all day long. So there you go. Bang. Ethan, good for you. Sleeper pick, I'm going to have to go with uh, Zach Wilson because of what I saw against Green Bay. I really do think that he can be a super productive quarterback right away, and I think that he can be a pretty good quarterback for a, a long time. The way he felt so comfortable in the uh, in the pocket, moving up in the pocket, just moving around in the pocket, and he's got a very, very strong arm as well. I like Zach Wilson a lot for that pick. I also like Zach Wilson. I audibly said a few words that I, I won't repeat on the podcast uh, during our Zoom call for the draft the other night because I thought he'd slip a little bit, and he didn't. <laughs> so he was a guy I was highly targeting, and it kind of flustered me a little bit. Uh, with uh, what happened it was not my finest moment but I I also think very highly of Zach Wilson a sneaky pick for me was actually Ramondre Stevenson Uh, he's looked really good for the Patriots in the preseason here and I don't think he's going to get the early role with uh, Damian Harris still there and they have so many backs there that you don't know what they're going to do but he's a better pass catcher than Damian Harris is and I think at some point he's probably going to get the uh, running back one touches by the time probably Mac Jones becomes the starter somewhere in that category. And I think this is a guy, if you wait long enough, could pay some significant dividends, especially from where he got him at 43. Ben, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I thought, obviously I agree with his best pick in doing the not so sexy thing, but picking up a 20 year old tight end. It's hard to do in the moment, draft a tight end that high, but it was the right thing to do. I didn't like his Zach Wilson pick, and it's got nothing to do with Zach Wilson. It was 
the fifth quarterback he has on his roster, and I think you can only play one. So he kind of handicaps himself by rostering five quarterbacks. Uh, He's got Herbert, so he's got a stud quarterback already. So not a knock on Zach Wilson whatsoever. And then his sneaky pick, I'll go with uh, Darden for Tampa Bay. I think he finished third or fourth in uh, college football last year in total yards receiving. He's just in a bad spot on that depth chart. But in round four, that's for flyers. So, so I think he did it right. That North Texas mean green alumnus. Yep. Yeah, I don't know about you guys. I actually thought his draft was a little bit lacking past Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I mean, for him, too, it's only his second draft, right? Yes. So I don't feel like I even got the completely figured it out. I still don't know if I completely figured out our draft. Um, I felt like this, even though I didn't have the first two rounds, I felt like this was probably my best draft that I've ever done. And I've been in the league for, what, five, six years now. And it's all, like, trying to figure out not panicking, too, you know. And I felt like sometimes you get into a panic where it's like, oh, shit, I got to get my guy. And sometimes it's okay to let your guy go. Um, I know I sent in the in the um, group chat that the three of us when you took Van Jefferson in the fourth round. All I sent was LOL, right? Um, because I really wanted Van Jefferson, and I was like, I'm not reaching for him. I'm just not going to do it because there's other things that I need to address. Um, and then getting somebody that like Donovan Peoples Jones the next round, I feel like is kind of in the same ballpark, but still for you, Tom. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it's just, I think he's kind of starting to get in the right direction, but yeah, you brought it, you, you brought up a huge point yourself, Ben, like why the hell do you need five, five quarterbacks when you can only play one? So I think he's still learning, but I think he's super invested and I think he's having a lot of fun with it. And at this point, really, that's all you can ask for. So that does bring up, since you mentioned my team, the last team we're going to discuss, Tom Terrific. Ben, give it to me straight. How badly did I do? <laughs> no, I didn't I didn't think you did bad at all. My favorite pick was Trey Sermon. I feel like everyone's best pick has been like obvious. But uh he had flashes last year where he looked like the best running back in college football. And then he'd have games where you didn't even notice them. I don't know if that was because they came out starting Master Teague to start the season or what, but uh, he falls into arguably maybe the dream scenario in the NFL for a running back. I'll uh, have great opportunity. There's no feature back there right now, and he's got some of the get, uh, best coaching ahead of him in the NFL. So I thought that was a good pick. Super high upside, even because their uh, running back room's not that full. I think his floor is also pretty high. Worst pick, this one had me scratching my head. From the handcuff champion, you took Jamal Williams in the third. I think we already know his fantasy ceiling. He was the feature back in Green Bay for a few years. I don't know why Mike McCarthy chose to feature him over Aaron Jones, but he did. And he wasn't really a fantasy option then. Uh, He went to a worse team with a worse offensive line. I just thought there were other players on the board, like a Chuba Chuba Hubbard or someone like that, which would have had more potential and, and probably been a better handcuff. Your sneaky pick, I mean, you talked about this yesterday a little bit. Uh, Sam Darnold in round five, I think he upgraded his coaching significantly. He went through some coaching turnover. He looked good his rookie year, but that was with Adam Gase. Uh, Now he's got DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall, a reunion with Robbie Anderson, and Christian McCaffrey to check the ball down to. I think he could end up still being a really good 
fantasy quarterback. Any thoughts, Ethan? For me, I'm, I was kind of the same way when I saw Jamal Williams come off the board so early. I was kind of surprised I saw him come off the board um, kind of at all. Another one was kind of Van Jefferson, too. I I don't know if you were doing that to spite me, or, <laughs> but I just felt like that was a little early as well. But I love the Trey Sermon uh, pick, but I also love uh, the Troutman pick as well. Quarterbacks love, especially inexperienced. I don't want to say Jameis Winston is inexperienced or Tyson Hill is inexperienced, but they're they're kind of you you get what I'm saying. But like quarterbacks love tight ends as a security blanket. I really do think that he could be a very successful tight end in that New Orleans Saints offense. Um, so he might be my your sleeper pick that I have. All right. For my thoughts and opinions on myself, uh, I actually think my worst pick was Adam Troutman. Just to be fair, I think it was a bit of a panic pick. And I see some of the guys that went after St. Brown, either of the Moors, I would have rather had Terrence Marshall. And I guess I just didn't think about it enough because I got flustered thinking at least one of the quarterbacks was going to drop to me. And then you're on the clock, and it gets late in the clock, and I just said, oh, fuck it. I like Troutman. He's kind of in that range, so let's just roll the dice. That was even before uh, we talk about the fact that he got hurt, and I don't know if he's going to miss time, if he it's a significant injury, because he did get carted off last night. So who knows what's going to go on with that one. I was kind of looking for a legitimate backup, given that George Kittle does have some issues, and... You know, a lot of tight ends went in this draft, a lot of decent backup tight ends that have some potential upside. It's going to be hard if George Kittle goes down this year that I don't have Hunter Henry to just stick in there in the way that I used to. But then again, with him changing systems and being, I would say, probably the second guy or second tight end on that team, I don't know if he would have had the upside yet had I even kept him. My reasoning with Jamal Murray is simple. I think that there is going to be a time split. They gave him a lot of money to be in that backfield, and there just are not a lot of pass catchers. The one thing he always did well in Green Bay was as a pass catcher, and I thought he actually played well in uh, stead of Aaron Jones last year in the couple of games that Aaron Jones was out with injury. So I think he's a capable back. I still think that DeAndre Swift is the guy that you want in that Lions system, but can he be a spot starter here or there? in a running back room that only for me right now features Chris Carson and Kareem Hunt and then Trey Sermon whenever he gets the opportunities. I just was looking for guys that could be fill-ins that were, um, it's more of a I'm going for it pick than anything else. So that would be the opportunity. The one downside I would say with Sam Darnold is simply this. He doesn't run. So that's always going to keep his ceiling capped by comparison to some of the other guys that do flash with their legs. So he's going to probably end up being in the uh, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins wing of fantasy quarterbacks, just looking outside the top 10 and kind of looking up. He could be a viable flex starter, and that's really all I need because I have Patrick Mahomes. That's more of a, a high upside guy than anything else. And Van Jefferson, I simply took him because I think that the Rams offense is going to need to throw the ball, and they usually have featured three wide receivers. I think that with where they're at in their system, big-bodied, faster wide receivers, kind of the Kenny Galladay-like guys, uh, are going to play well with Matt Stafford, and uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are a little bit older. Cup's not terribly old, but like I want to say Robert Woods is like 29, so at some point, he's going to drop off. I Maybe that's a, an upside hope, and he's a name that we've talked a lot about at the program. So yes, there was a little bit of a, okay, let's uh, get a laugh on the group text. But uh, overall, I gave myself, and this is the only letter grade I'm going to give on the show, I gave myself a C plus. I thought my draft was better last year. And that's yeah. it. There's uh, one big lesson yeah. that I learned. <laughs> yeah, we all think your draft was better last year. That was incredible. Well, even coming out of the draft, and that's not with hindsight or anything else. Yes, I understand. <laughs> with the benefit of hindsight, that that is a stupid statement. 
regardless, I think the biggest thing I need to do for next year is when we I sit down and do all of my rookie rankings, I need to actually input them into the system so that I can find my guys easier and actually use them as a guide instead of using Yahoo's crazy rankings that's based on redraft leagues. I think that's probably the best possible thing I could do for myself to be prepared and not get into a panic situation again. You got to put you guys in the queue, bro. Yeah, put you guys Pretty in much. the queue. Well, right, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was not. It was not particularly. So. Either way, I will be happy with Trey Sermon, even though I was not a big fan of his. I do love the opportunity in San Francisco, and I'm not hoping for Raheem Mostert to get hurt, but it would be very helpful if uh, he became the primary back at some point in the season with the San Francisco easy schedule that they have uh i would really appreciate that if you guys could help me out Kyle shanahan uh, just in case you're listening uh all right so any final thoughts before we get to bold predictions no all right so bold predictions you both already know mine coming out of this draft i'm taking jalen waddle to have the most receiving yards for a rookie wide receiver this year ben let's hear yours my bold prediction or my reaction to your bold prediction? <laughs> I think you've set up which one you want to give first. Uh, all right. It's a bold pick, so I, I feel like it can't even be knocked on, so I'll just let that ride. I think it's more of a big, bold pick. But, but uh, my bold pick is Elijah Moore ends up this year leading all rookie wide receivers. He was second in NCAA on a garbage old Miss team, but yet he played in the SEC against first-round talent every game. A.J. Brown came out saying he's willing to bet his paychecks that Elijah Moore wins Rookie of the Year, and Odell Beckham, who seemingly has no vested interest in Elijah Moore, said that he might be all-pro as a rookie. He seems like he's doing really good, and he's already sort of unseated Jamison Crowder just because he can hit a home run like Waddle, but he think he's a more all-around wide receiver than Waddle is. I hear a bet coming on, Ben. We both have two different guys finishing the year with better receiving stats. You want to end up in a Waffle House to end the year? <laughs> <laughs> Stop 24 hours, but sure. That sounded terrible. That sounded terrible. Uh, there are worse places to be than a Waffle House, I'll dude, admit. I'm sorry, but to have to eat your way out, that sounds awful. Like, <laughs> that sounds terrible. Um, it, it was, it for was me, pretty bad, but... <laughs> for me, I feel that St. Brown can be a top three rookie wide receiver at the end of the year in fantasy points. I feel that first and foremost, Lions are going to have to throw a lot of, a lot of the football, a lot of the time. I think that you want to feed your rookies too, to see what you got. And I think he's going to end up being one of the um, best players that's in that uh, rookie wide receiver room. I'm really ticked because he went one pick before me. Um, he was the guy that I was going to take over Marshall, but I'm not, too upset with Marshall, but yeah, I think St. Brown can be in the top three at the end of the year. Not bad, not bad. I think uh, that's a three-way bet now, as uh, who finishes on top receiving yard-wise. Uh, what do you, what say you gentlemen? Uh, shall we come up with some stakes off air? <laughs> what would it have to be, like a Perkins around here, right? You'd have to be <laughs> way out of a Perkins. You could do a Cracker Barrel. I can uh, visit no, Madison. No, you're not going to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> no. We got a we got a IHOP here. That might just be a normal day at IHOP. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, if we do it, we got to do it Wisconsin, right? We got to do a Perkins. Yeah. <laughs> oh no 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 if you're gonna do wisconsin you gotta do culver's dude what that's not open 24 hours <laughs> okay a quick trip oh, <laughs> that God. would be fucking funny <laughs> 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 uh, 
Uh, all right. That would be funny. We'll, we'll come up with something. We'll announce it on, ne- on the next episode. Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again soon to continue our off-season coverage. But until then. Stay safe, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. You can also now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload20. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.